0: Don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, I'm against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. On general principles, I'm opposed to it.
1: And this is how he defines uh, Sola Scriptura. He says the Holy Scripture is the only, always infallible rule that the Holy Spirit has given as the supreme and final authority from which scripture alone, anyone may interpret for himself what is necessary for salvation, sound doctrine, and Christian living. So uh, it's, he, so it's he, like he, a threefold. Yeah, there's a lot in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, definite in there. But but I'm just looking at this first part right now. So the yeah. Holy Scripture is the only uh, – is. Is the only always infallible rule that the Holy Spirit has given as the supreme and final authority.
0: Okay. Well so let's here, here that we part go. first. Let's let's move on to the second part of this because I disagree with that. Okay. I disagree with that definition of sola scriptura because I don't think it's the only infallible authority. And I think that is a traditional way to do it. I'm so glad you included that. Well, because it's,
1: it's, that it's, was, he says only always infallible, not only infallible, only always infallible. I want to make sure know. we're getting his wording right here, just, just yeah, so yeah, we can engage I, with it. Well, of
0: course. I mean, I feel like that's kind of redundant, always, okay. always infallible. I mean, if it's always infallible, it's always, if it's, It's infallible. It's always infallible. I don't know, like, you know, when it when it is and when it isn't. You know. Well, Dr. Fred Smith was his
1: advisor, so we'll blame Fred for that. Okay. All right,
0: well no, he. Pro- I'm sure he has his reasons and he's probably a lot better off than I am on this subject. But for my own purposes right here, I'm taking the only infallible okay. and I'm saying, okay, I don't think that the scripture is the only infallible. Now, <laughs> this is where I will refer to scripture definitely and say this is where I got this from. So I do not believe, let me put it this way, I do not believe this scripture is the only infallible word of god because of what the scripture says and i think there's a few couple primary places we can go now let me start with the the most obvious i think and i think the most clear because this is this is in Romans, Romans chapter one. Everybody has heard this. I mean, such a famous passage with regard to creation and such. But uh, whenever whenever Paul is talking to the Romans about the wrath of God being revealed from heaven against all people, he talks about um, the. Uh, What God has made evident to them, He says, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them." Now, that's a great one to start with, right there. That's
1: not the King James version. That's not the Authorized (laughs) version. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, man. I don't know. I, let, me, let me see if I can pull the net bible. Does that work? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have I have my Accordance software right here in front of me, so I can uh, okay. read along with you. But throw throw out the um, uh, the verses and stuff for people too, so they they know where Romans one
0: eighteen is where I'm starting at right okay. here.
1: All right. So uh, and then, then
0: it says this is this is the key thing, and this is the thing that really excites me. I mm-hmm. love this. I don't know why it just gets me excited. But he says, for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes, dot, dot, dot. Now, let's stop there for a second. Mm -hmm. He didn't say for since the creation of the Bible. Let's just make sure you know that. He does not say since the creation of the Bible. He says since the creation of the world. I know that may offend a lot of you that have a very, very high view of Scripture. I do, too. Maybe not as high as you, (laughs) but I do, too. Um, because, I, like I said, I don't think it's the only infallible word. Now, let me make my argument. I'm going to continue on. All right, so I'm just going
1: to say that I disagree with your um, interpretation here. But, all right, all right. Just but, hang but, on. But go ahead. Way.
0: For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature. That's a lot of stuff. That is a lot of stuff. That's a lot of theology there. His eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly... Now, talk about perspicuity of something. <laughs> here we go. Have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. And what is this? It, I mean, it gets it gets stronger. My argument only builds from here, so that they are without excuse. Boom! They're without excuse. They have no excuse because creation is so clear. That is. That is. That is. The first and most important basis of my argument here, is this, if God communicates through, and this is gonna apply to a lot of things, I know, but when we're talking about specifically what we're talking about here is scripture. If God has spoken through nature, and I believe he has, uh, we got Psalm 19 that continues this theme, It says in Psalm 19, verse one, the Psalm of David, the heavens are telling of the glory of God in their expanse, declaring the work of his hands day by day, pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. Again, this is creation, I know this is poetic language, but you really can't interpret it any other way except for God is speaking through his creation. Now, if I'm looking up at the creation, and I and I, and he really does have a message to me through creation that is seen clearly so that I am without excuse for not believing it. And I'll tell you in a minute why I get this and why I'm here. Don't let me forget, because it is so important how I started this whole this whole uh, kind of divergent <laughs> divergence. <laughs> um, but whenever whenever I look at this and whenever I say, all right. Um, uh, these things are talking. These things are speaking. These things are telling me about God, His invisible attributes, eternal power, divine nature. What is His divine nature like? Well, read the Bible. Let's find out what is divine nature. Now, you'll, you'll find more in creation. You really will. Uh, uh, um, uh, the this theology that you get from natural theology is just as authoritative. And here's here's the caveat. Here's the, here's the caveat, and you're gonna laugh. You're gonna laugh, you're gonna, laugh, you're gonna say, no joke, that's that, evident. But it's just as authoritative when true. Now, I know that sounds funny because I'm saying, if it's true, it's true, or something yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. But, what I, what I, but I would say the same thing about the scripture. I would say the scripture is only authoritative whenever you get it right. Okay, a wrong interpretation of Scripture is not authoritative. It's I, it's not as if the Bible just has this glory coming out of it, and it's a magic book, and automatically whenever you read it, you get it right. You don't. We know that.
1: Okay, so where I would uh, diverge from you on this is yeah. that's not how I read that that verse. That's not how I read okay, Romans one eighteen through nineteen. Um, that well, Romans is,
0: what, Romans doesn't have a one eighteen.
1: Uh, what's that? No, just forget it. Um, what I'm what I'm seeing there is Paul giving an outline to the Jewish people of what was believed from Adam to Mount Sinai. That is not for us, so much for today. That okay, is okay.
0: So it's authoritative for them and not for us.
1: Not not that it's authoritative. What I'm saying is that. Um, this is what they had. This is evidence. It is. It's clear evidence. But we have the accounts written down for us. And so that's how we're understanding it. We have the, you know, we have the Tanakh. All right. Or, or Paul was saying, you know, we have the Tanakh. And so, and that's just the the uh, Hebrew Old Testament. And and so when he's saying this, and what really sets it off, what really does that is when you get to uh, verse 23, when he starts talking about, um you know, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for an image resembling mortal human beings or four-footed animals or reptiles. He's getting the golden calf right there. So this summary, he's saying that, look, this glory that God has revealed, it was at this time. Everybody knew and everybody knew better. There was a Adam still had this direct, you know, type of of. uh you know, relationship with God, and we could talk about maybe the the progressive noetic effect of the fall or something like that in in the way this happened. But he's saying that this is what was revealed, and we should have known better back then, but we didn't. And it just okay. kept going. And so he's I'm going to grant that. I then, completely that.
0: disagree with that interpretation, completely. But I'm going to grant it and still say it doesn't. It doesn't change my point, because even if you have that time gap. Even if you have this this time period where creation is authoritative, what changed in creation to make it non authoritative now?
1: Well, our um, our relationship to it uh, we are we are not able to relate to it, and, and to the point where we can say that it is authoritative to us because we're not able to comprehend it completely. We see the words here, but we can't. We can't comprehend or apprehend exactly what that means. Time and space and reality is distorted by sin to us to the point where we don't relate to God in the same way that they did. And Paul continually snowballs it to the now, point that, this where this is
0: this is based on this funny doctrine called the noetic how context sin and I don't I don't necessarily agree with that either not uh,
1: not completely not completely based on it we we discussed this a lot in my in my uh, romans course and uh and we talked about this this outline how this snowballs to the point where um we just got to the the act of sin that incurvis say that turning in on oneself and we just it's it's ultimately selfishness becomes the the main factor we well, not we to turn- make it not
0: to make an argument ad populum here but you're diverging from most of the
1: scholars out there on Welcome Romans. welcome to divergent theology. <laughs> this okay, is I just exactly wanted to make sure what we're I doing to here. make sure this is exactly what we have you. to Tom Tom do. to with
0: you. I mean, <laughs> I can run down the list, but that's okay. That doesn't There's, make it wrong. I don't mean imply that
1: there there's but, lots again, of people, I, but you know what Barth would probably agree Barth would probably agree with me um there's some other people you know Dr uh, uh, Wesley Bart, Hill who who's Bart a, a has great burger in
0: a lot of ways yeah. but he was a good guy he but, was a good
1: yeah, guy yeah uh, but what i'm but what i'm getting at is you're reading this in in a certain way that you're, you're I, I you're am but I'm it. reading
0: it in a natural way. I don't read into it and say this is to the Jews.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it I'm I mean honestly I th- I think that it it is to the Jews and it but it's to the history of humanity from the Jewish perspective. And I think I, and I think, that I Romans think it's 1, the Romans 1 Church at Rome. What's that? I
0: think it's the Church at Rome.
1: It it is, but he, but Paul's going through all of Romans 1. He's going through this this um but so whenever he gets to the history, Jew, he does
0: distinguish the Jew very clearly in chapter oh yeah. 2.
1: Oh, yeah, because he gets there, because what he does is he snowballs it down, and he moves it into then the, the, the Greek or the Gentile offenses. And once okay. he hits the Gentile offenses, then he—because he knows he has the Jews on his side, and that's when he gives you a whiplash in, in verse 2 and says, You know what? You are just as bad— for actually judging them, because, and you're even worse, because you should have known better, and here's where. So I'm I'm looking at this from a a Jewish concept, and I'm saying that, you know, they should have known, not, they, they should have known in the past, not they should have known presently.
0: And okay, I think that ag- that's
1: where you're. That's that's why I'm diverging from you on on this point. I don't
0: agree with your perspective here, probably because I don't understand it. And uh, we could definitely get into it. And I'd love to hear more about that. But mm-hmm. let me go to chapter two then and yeah. say this: I've got chapter two, which can do the same thing, which in a different way, not from creation standpoint, but maybe still more from a still from a natural revelation, where it says, um, let's see here. I just had it, uh, and no one approved of things. Oh, the Gentiles, verse fourteen of chapter two, Romans chapter two fourteen. Okay. When the Gentiles who do not have the law do the things instinctively of the law, mm-hmm. these not having a law or law of themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience. There we go. Internal compass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bearing witness and their thoughts, ultimately accusing or defending them, and at that point, you can't get away from this authoritative accusing or defending them. Yeah, but this is—he's saying they they are doing the things of the law.
1: That's post-conversion. Read on the sixteen. Only God will judge the seekers of human heart according to my gospel through Jesus Christ. He's he's moving in there,
0: but they're doing instinctively the things of the law.
1: Yeah. They're doing it instinctively because it's written on their heart when does this become written on man's heart I mean that's that's you know Jeremiah 31:31 31, 31 makes that promise and then at um, you get it a couple times at Pentecost at the different Pentecost through history.
0: but why would that just be for the Gentile?
1: because the Jews had the law. It was well, the given Jews have directly. the
0: law and their conscience.
1: They, but they had the law. That's why they should have known better from the start. This is why they're even worse than the way that the Gentiles act in their in their horrible behavior because they should have known better. Okay, and they definitely divergent. And they do
0: definitely it. divergent on your Romans. Total, totally. <laughs> on, on,
1: on your Romans
0: nonsense. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely divergent. Oh, hey. I
1: didn't see you there. Hi, I'm Samson Kovach, I'm the co-host of Divergent Theology and the host of uh, The Theology Pit. Here to take a moment of your time to, you know, shamelessly plug some of our stuff that we do. Now, I know you've been asking yourself while you're watching these episodes of Divergent Theology, hey, how can I become a Divergent Theologian? Well, that's a great question. First thing you have to do, well, you have to know why you believe what you believe. And the reason for that is because you have to know what's in the realm of, let's say, non-heresy and the realm of heresy. You have to know how far you can go and diverge in each direction and still remain an Orthodox Christian. What's that? Yes, the best way to go about doing that, in my opinion, is to go to credohouse.org. Now, what I would recommend is you start off with the discipleship program. Discipleship program is a great way to get an introduction into, you know, what you believe as a Christian. It's broken down into uh, 10 sessions here. Michael's done a good job with this. Uh, looking at the Bible, mankind, the Trinity, Jesus, faith, like um, living with God, those sort of things. Um, it's in, you know, two separate sections, but this is if you really are new to the faith or... Kind of you're thinking of a way, hey, how in my church can I teach something? There's a great uh, great ministry tool. But you're saying, Samson, look, I'm already a Christian. I've been a Christian a while. I want to go deeper. Oh, okay. We have the theology program here. I would say you start off with your introduction to theology. You can all, find all of this stuff, credohouse.org. And, uh... Go through the six-course program, and you'll know a little bit more about why you believe what you believe. Now, as a divergent theologian, and I've, you know, taught and worked with uh, Credo House, even back when it was called Reclaiming the Mind, Um, on my podcast, you notice, The Theology Pit, where you can go to theologypit.com, you can get great things like mugs and shirts. I have some new shirts that I've made up Says I can do all things through Scripture taken out of context. Support the ministry that way. You'll notice that I diverge a little bit more. I am neither a Calvinist nor am I an Arminian. I'm free to do that. Uh, There are other things out there and we'll get into that a little bit more, but that's where you can be a divergent theologian. So check out the sites, check out the, the books and all the wonderful resources that we have at both of these sites and the podcasts. Don't forget Theology Unplugged, one of the biggest podcasts, theological podcasts on Apple. Another nice little tip when you're learning Greek, use cards. Use your Greek cards as bookmarks. It's great. Apocryonimai. I answer indeed. Oh, Michael. What are you thinking?
0: (laughs) Oh, wait. listen, look.
1: That's going. Going.
0: Wait, wait a minute on, on Psalm 19, and Psalm 19 where it says, you know, the, the creation is pouring forth God's speech day by day. And, I mean, here, here's what I look at. If we're going to take this in the way it seems to be taken, maybe you're going to have a different interpretation of some sort, but whenever we take this uh, and it says, day-to-day pours forth speech, night-to-night reveals knowledge, this is what I see. If this is God's word being spoken through creation, which... It, it seems to be telling us they're they're declaring the the works of his hands and de- displaying pouring forth what kind of speech uh, fallible speech uh, a speech which is part truth and part lie. No, he's saying about what the creation speaks clearly here. It's pouring forth God's word. I mean, this is this is the way I, I, I take it. It's God's word, and if it's God's word, here, here's the argument I have if this is God's word, and then that is God's word, we put these two up next to each other, and some people say, yeah, but this is more God's word, this is more authoritative. I used to teach that, I remember teaching that, we would probably pull up videotapes right now, and it would say, uh, well, you know, that's God's word, but it's just less God's word. And I'm like, ah, can you have less God's word? I'll argue with myself. How can God's word be less than God's word if it's God's word? And, and this happens sometimes within charismatic circles. I'm not a charismatic. We'll talk about that sometime probably, I'm sure. But, and I love a lot of charismatic. Most, I mean, I go to a charismatic church right now. I mean, I've switched over to Sam Storm's church, but um uh charismatic, uh whenever you say you're charismatic, a lot of charismatics will say, yeah, because a lot of people will say, is it, is it? Is what you have as authoritative as God's word? And they'll say, oh, no, no, no. God's word is the most authoritative, but we do get prophecies from him from time to time. And so I'm like, okay, so your prophecies are God's word. This is God's word. And somehow God's word, is more authoritative than God's Word. That's just nonsense. If one's God's Word, they're both God's Word, and they're both going to have equal authority. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to a matter of interpretation on everything. You can, you can get a word of knowledge or a prophecy from the Lord, and if you get a prophecy and it's legitimate, I guarantee it's on par with God's Word if it truly is God's Word. I'm not saying to add it to the scripture, it's not an argument I would make, but I'm just saying you can't have uh, these multiple sources that God is speaking through and say, yeah, this is the only true source that is truly God's Word and the only infallible source. Well, it's only infallible as long as we interpret it correctly.
1: That's right. And right? the Psalms need to be interpreted Christologically because Christ is in every Psalm and St. Augustine is frowning on you right
0: now? <laughs> I'm a dispensationalist. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Christ! You never saw. I'm a break. It is. Oh, there, man. there you go. Hey, yeah.
1: Diverge. So, I mean, that, yeah. that that's what I mean. I mean, this is, but but again, this is the you know influence. Whether whether I agree with that or I I, I do see uh, the Psalms very much um, Christological, but not in every single aspect, but in the, in the majority of it. Um, well, and at least
0: here. At least here. What do you what do you think of what I said here? Yeah.
1: Um. If, if I take, if I take the position that you're laying down, then it is an extremely reasonable connection. It is, it is saying that God is not boxed to what we have collected into a book. And God can do whatever he wants, whether or not he actually does is what we have to you know figure out when somebody yeah. comes with you with something say i have a word of prophecy i have a i have a this i have a that I, you know whatever and and you're right that if somebody comes to you and and says something like that even you know, speaking in tongues interpreting it they're speaking for god that is on par yeah with with this so in that aspect i think that people who would articulate sola scriptura in the way that we that, that that's traditionally laid out, um, but also are charismatic. Yeah. I think that they, there's a bit of a disconnect Yeah, because they, yeah. because they can't do that. And, um, and really, uh, you know, both, both sets of Pentecost that we see in scripture, um, adds to adds to that. Yeah, and I, I
0: think I would qualify it, and I'll tell you the qualifying markers, I've already mentioned them a little bit, but I will qualify the definition of sola scriptura. But I do wanna reiterate that wherever God speaks through, whether it's through a donkey, whether it's through the stars, or whether it's through a prophecy from somebody else, or whether it's through he comes in and gives you an inner conviction you know, about your sin, If you interpret it correctly, it's always qualified by that. It's always, I mean, if you interpret the Bible correctly, that's the only time it is authoritative. It's not, it's not authoritative uh, whenever you're interpreting it wrong. You know, it's, I mean, uh, uh, by itself, you know, it's interpret, it's authoritative. But you know, I mean, we can get into Mm -hmm. all kinds of other things that that have, that are issues that we need to we need to wrestle with, like, uh, you know, here, here I am dealing with that Net Bible English interpretation, and then you could even go back to the Greek, uh, Nestle all in 27, like what you're talking about, 20, yeah. Nestle all in 28, yeah. and then that's not even guaranteed to be his word, and so you've got all kinds of issues, and that's where it comes down to the message that is being received, the message that is being given, and I do believe that, that we need to understand this. Let me tell you why where I where I got into this and and you'll understand it. I think you might understand a little bit of its import depending on where you're at with the subject. And right now, Sam, I don't know where you're gonna be at anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I told you man, I'm coming
1: up with divergent theology. This is divergent I called, theology.
0: I, I called the right guy, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> both of us together we're a mixed bag i'll tell yeah. you that much my wife was <laughs> like she's
1: like i don't know she's like both of you guys are big personalities i don't know if this is going to be a good idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true that is true but, but go I ahead cause about i'm going should... to take some notes here to push back a little bit
0: <laughs> so, don't take this don't take him
1: <laughs> so i don't forget but, but, Okay. Hey, thanks for listening to Divergent Theology. You can visit our websites at CredoHouse.org or thetheologypit.com and make a donation. Support the ministry that way. Now, here's a quick look at next week's Divergent Theology. But yeah i remember the whole open theism thing and, and it seems to have died out a lot molinism is the new thing that's that's the new yeah. like hip thing these yeah. days that we, well, we definitely better later. than open theism yeah well i always say that p- the the only people who believe in molinism are those who believe that maybe in an alternate universe they actually you know were right about it um yeah. but i hate saying <laughs> that because i know william Lane craig is a molinist and i hate i hate disagreeing with with him on stuff because i feel like oh, I'm, maybe i'm just not smart enough to, to, to get it
0: basic rule book for for life. I mean you got the Psalms, you got Proverbs. Those those aren't really redemptive history in the same way. I mean unless you're you unless your your view of Psalms. But the Proverbs, <laughs> you, mean the you know, proper just got like A proper view. That's
1: okay. You can say it. There you go. There you go.